Done. Ant. Next. What? Booted to the curb. So, Kevin is uh, really, he was supposed to preach today. You see it in your bulletin, but he's not here, so we got a problem. So, um, he actually, he works and he relies on somebody to come in and to relieve him of, of work. And uh, they didn't show up in time. And when they finally did, um, he got home and he was going to change and be here. And he had a flat tire. So, I don't know, other than the dog ate his homework, you know. <laughs> And he was going to basically, uh, the message, which I'm not giving, but uh, the message was going to be mission scrubbed, and it was going to be uh, sharing, teaching about Lucifer. How many of you know who Lucifer is or was? So the devil himself, or Satan, his, uh, his name created is Lucifer, and uh, he was a head worship leader of heaven, if you will. And so I'm not going to go any beyond that except to tell you that he ultimately felt like, why give worship to God? Why don't he just be God? Why don't other people worship him? And so thereby set in motion the whole Bible narrative, set in motion all of the events of our lives, set in motion the need for a savior because God knew from that moment that uh, he was going to redeem what had been lost. And so uh, Kevin will preach at another day. But today we're going to go into, um, for communion, so we're going to ask you to prepare your hearts, and we'll be doing communion, and all of this leads right up to it. And the message for the day is really about salvation, and a couple things that I want to point out, and um, so we'll go there, okay? Let me give you this word. Um, the word is, in, in the Greek word is sodezo, or sozo is how it looks, but it's got a D in there, so it's sodezo, and that's that's a word that means to save, deliver, or protect. The King James Version has heal, preserve, save, do well, to make whole, or to be whole. So that's the word for John chapter 3, verse 17, which we're going to put up in just a minute. But that's the word saved. That's what it says there. When we come to understand, how many of you know John three sixteen? For God so loved the world that he gave gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Or one version says eternal life. So there it is, everlasting life. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's look at verse 17. It says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, might be sozo, to save, deliver, protect, to be made whole, to be saved. That's the word in John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, saved. So here's the story. Let's go on into uh, verse 1 of John 3, because it gets us into verse 16 and 17, Why is that all therefore? Is there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, by the way, I'm I'm giving it out of the King James right now, and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, 
Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for... How about doing that with uh, smother your, your uh, face with, your, with, with the Bible this morning? Put on your mind if that's where it needs to be. Put on your heart if that's where it's got to go. But for me, it's my seeing, my hearing, my understanding. Thank you, God, that you'll give wisdom, insight, and understanding into your word, God, into your ways, into uh, the revelation that you have for us. So we agree that the revelation has been made. Now we pray for the illumination, God that you turn the light on in our heart and in our mind and in our spirit beyond that which is natural to that which is a supernatural. And we receive, God, that we're your children, we're your people, that you want to open up our eyes and open up our ears, that, God, you want to uh, speak to us a transforming word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. So, verse 4 Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily. Now here's, wait a minute, here's a guy, Nicodemus, who has actually been trained as a Pharisee. He's actually a teacher of the law. He's in a religion where it talks about God and talks about this salvation. It talks about eternity. And he's, he's so old that he says, how is it that a, an old guy like me can go back into the womb and be born again? Get it, Merrill? This is a message that's written down here before you spoke this morning. I'm telling you, it's the word of God for you and for those in the room who may not have come to that point of salvation. How can an old man, can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do not know, we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, How shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, 
And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Hmm. I wonder why it is that deeds that are evil, usually we try to cloak them and hide them and we try to mask them and keep them from being visible. Kind of sounds like that's what the Bible defines it as, doesn't it? I remember when I used to party and get drunk and all those things, that always happened at night. And I like dark clubs where I wouldn't be so visible and obvious and Actually, the dark might have even made me better looking. And I could flail away, and I can tell you that it made the other people look better looking. In the darkness. And the things that I did in the dark that I didn't want anybody to know, and I I didn't want it posted on Facebook or social media. Things I used to do, I, I just preferred to keep hidden. I didn't want to tell anybody about them, so I just put on a facade. I just put up a a good look, so people were thinking that I was really a good guy. How many of you lived a life like that, trying to make people believe you were a good guy somehow, a good person? And yet inside, and when you laid your head on that pillow, like I've shared, my daddy said, two people know, you and God. And I couldn't ever get away from that. I couldn't escape from what I knew, who I was. And there was this this phony, there was this fabricated, There was this lie that I was living, and I alone knew it of all of humanity. Even my wife was duped and deceived. She had no clue the double life that I was living. That's because it was hidden, because I didn't reveal it. I didn't didn't bring those areas of my life into the light. I just let those be back there in some dark little chamber of their own. That's exactly what we're talking about here. Here's what I like. In this portion, I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. It's verse 6 right now of John chapter 3. It said it this way. When uh, Nicodemus in chapter or in verse 4 said, What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother womb, mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. For God so loved the world, so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. 
But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see what they are doing, that they are doing what God wants. Do you remember that? Sneaky? Sneaky. How many of you were sneaky? How many of you are still sneaky? Anybody still sneaky? I'm still sneaky. There's parts of me that I'm still sneaky. Do you know what that means? That means there's some issues in my life that I don't like to let out, and so I'm sneaky. Because when I'm sinning, it's kind of blatant, but I mask it over for a little while, and I'm sneaking around. And and I'm actually sneaking around because conviction comes to me, and I know God is going to get me. Not not beat me up. He's going to love me right back into right place with him. So I'm sneaking around just kind of wondering how's this going to happen. And you know what it actually does? Let me tell you, saints. This can keep you from sin because you know that God's going to deal with you as he does with a son. He's going to love you and he's going to confront you and you're going to have to deal with that sometime. And it may be rather publicly. The dangerous thing for a preacher (laughs) is that I have a pulpit, I have a microphone. I don't want to stand up before you and tell you about my sin and about, oh, sneaky snake. You see? So guess what that does? That preserves me and that keeps me from a whole lot. I thank God for that because I have to stand before people and I have to stand before God. And he actually, that's a level of the fear of God that keeps me from sin. You all ought to have that. You all ought to want it. You ought to know that he can, he can blast his light in any chamber, any, any area, any region, any part of your life he wants to. Because the promise of the Bible is this, what? That the hidden things... Well, what? Yeah, they'll be brought to light or the hidden things will be revealed. He can roll away a stone. I'll tell you what, he'll roll away whatever you think that you've got that cans up your sinfulness or your sneakiness. See? So it's better that we come before him willingly with open hearts and respond to his love and his discipline. So guess what? If you've got calamity in your life, that's part of it. You've got no peace in your life, that's part of it. There's only one way to peace. We're going to show you that coming up. Ready? Let's go into Luke chapter 7. If I said 36, you wouldn't find it. Yeah, it's chapter 7. Luke 7. By the way, I want to just tell you by way of testimony earlier, this uh, this bottle was sitting open over here behind the uh, flowers where it sits, and the, the, the little cork was out of it. And when I came in, now this is kind of cool when you think about it, because it was sitting there open like that with the cork behind it. And I saw it and I thought, who left the lid off the, the stuff? If it spills, it's... So I was, I was really like, and in a second, it was like, that's prophetic. It's prophetic. So over my attitude, which is simple. I mean, I wasn't like ready to kill anybody, you understand. But it was just a little attitude, just thinking, come on, put the lid back on. And then it was like, that's prophetic. Do you know what it is? It's that with that, it's not capped. It's not, it's not concealed. It's, it's been opened. It's exposed. That It's even the progressive nature of the work of God in our lives. So who can actually, you know, it's kind of like putting God in a box per se. See what I mean? So it's, it's more like letting the anointing flow. We have to sometimes take the cork out. See what I mean? Some of you have to do that this morning. For a fresh anointing is we've got to take the cork out. What's the cork? Whatever that is that's damming up what God wants to get into our lives. Amen? Here we go. Ready? Verse 36. 
Now, one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with, with him, talking about Jesus. And he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. Can you say sinner? Say prostitute sinner. Pretty big sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with her, the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, say it, teacher. A money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and another 50. Or let's say in our language, let's say $500 and another $5. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, well, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason, verse 47, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Same word as John. 317, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. See, with salvation comes peace. Because the ultimate question is, what are we here for? We may not fully understand or comprehend, but where are we going when this life is over? I'll fly away. Some glad morning, some glad day, that's what's going to happen. And oh, the peace that will rule and reign in your heart when you know when this life is over, if it was a freak accident, if it was a head-on collision, if it was a massive heart attack, if you died in your sleep, that you'd know what's going to happen to you and where you're going to go. Folks, as part of the purpose of this life is for you to come to the understanding and the knowledge of the truth so as to be saved. That's what God has for you. Saved from what? Saved from the darkness, saved from the lie, saved from doing things on your own, your own ability, your own power. God wants a fully surrendered life to him. And some of us, we began that way, and then what we did is we took, we took the helm back. I've got the calm. Got the calm. I'm the one who's going to be in charge. I'm running my life. And God says, I want it. So Mario, I think, go ahead and put that up. Sin much is what it kind of equated to. You sin much equals forgiven much equals loves much. I love this part because I fit in here. Now watch the next part. 
Sin little? I'm sorry. I was going to do the other part, but that's fine. Just shift down to the bottom one. Sin little? Forgiven little? Loves little. I was a massive sinner. I'm not proud of that, but I'm telling you that I love, I love massively. Do you know why? Because I was massively forgiven. Do you get that? If you're raised some goody two-shoes and you followed the Ten Commandments and you did all these other things right in your life and you had it on easy street and everybody paved the way for you and it was just no struggle at all for you and you ended up not smoking and not drinking and not cussing and not, not committing idolatry, not committing adultery, you don't have a problem with looking at things and you're just not tempted. You don't give in to those things. He just leaves you alone. You don't understand the message today. It's difficult for you because you've been forgiven so little because they were so puny. Oh, yeah, you've got original sin, by the way. That's because that's what you're born into. There's only one way to get out of that. So even as perfect as you might be, you still need the Savior. And you still have to bow your heart and say, Jesus, I need you to come in and fix me. I need you to redeem my life. I need you to make me valuable and worthwhile once again, God. But boy, if you're like me, I look back and I I can weep over it right now. I tell you, when you realize that this is who I used to be and this is what I did and, and then that and this, and I've got a file cabinet full of that stuff. If I was to compile the list, and when I got into my heart, in a moment, with a word, that I could be healed, that I would be forgiven, that I didn't have to jump through hoops, that I didn't have to follow a bunch of rules and regulations, that it didn't, it didn't have to live some pious kind of life according to the construct that man could put together. This is what it looks like. This is what you must do. Oh, when I found out it says it in his word, now okay, I can do that because I, I believe this. But all that other mess, you know what it left me into? More bondage. Now I was just, it's like Jesus said to the Pharisees, you tie up these heavy loads, you put them on people, and you handcuff them with the weight of these rules and laws and restrictions, and then they can't even carry that, and you won't lift a finger yourself. You're no better than I am. And that's what religion tries to do, is always exalting a man a person, into a place where somehow they're our example, they're our model. They're the ones who tell us how we can be free, and yet they're not free. Jesus says, if the blind lead the blind, they both fall into a pit. What good's that doing? You have no victory. Sin much, you're forgiven much, you love much. Sin little, you're forgiven little, you love little. That's Jesus' words, folks. I want to tell you that the very things that the devil has done, that Satan has tried to keep you captive and keep you in a a place of oppression to try to take and push you under and keep you down and keep you from rising up and, and being blessed and walking in the blessings of God, it's those things that he's tried to condemn you by your sin. He's tried to condemn you from your failures. He's tried to condemn you according to, to this, all the things that you could do in and of your own strength. And, and what God says is, I want that to end. I want your own strength to end. I want you to find to come to the place of the end of you so that you'll find me. And the way you'll find me is when you come to the end of you. You get it? That's total surrender. That's the point where I don't care 
who's around me. I don't care what I'm looking like, what's coming out of my nose or my, my, my eyes. I don't care. I, I don't have to hold up to some sort of a, uh, an impression. I don't need to put something before you that looks a certain way. Because what it is is that I'm broken, and in my brokenness, I cried out. And what I found is I found restoration, and I found wholeness. I found salvation. And that's what God gives us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And it's because He bore our shame and our iniquity. Folks, I want to tell you, if you've sinned much, you've been forgiven much. And because you've forgiven much, when you come to the understanding of that, you'll love much. Worship team, would you come back up? I want you just to consider that. I want you to consider your former manner of life. Oh, might not be that far because you'll say, gosh, that's like, okay, this week I did something that reminded me of what I used to be. And I know that there's now when you get the spirit of God in you, what happens is, is that you no longer can deal with that. That's not who you are. Now it's, it's kind of like that oil and water kind of thing. You know, they just don't, they're not compatible. They won't merge together anymore. But when I was in my sin, before I had the spirit, I, all I had was, I was carried around by every wind, but it wasn't the, the, the spirit wind. It was, it was the wind that I was making. Probably we have some people in here who passed some gas before, haven't you? That's what I'm talking about. Some of you are just windbags. See what I'm saying? Some of it's a matter of what I speak out of my mouth. I'm kind of propelling myself along by some sort of wind that I'm creating like this. And it's almost like blowing into your own sail instead of saying, God, you be the wind. You be the wind. You blow into to my life. You set the course of my life. Let me set my sail toward you, God, and you blow into my life. Quick story. Mexico. White man. Don't tan too good. In sun, catamaran, middle of ocean, no wind, no paddle. Fifteen minutes, hide under boat, sharks in water. True story. Where am I going to go? There's no wind in this place. Guess what? The only solution is this little inlet is we got to get out to the wind. There is wind. We just don't have it. Turn that thing. Me and my friend Tony, and we're trying to find wind. We couldn't, we couldn't blow into the sail enough to cause it to go anywhere. And I'll tell you, when I get this picture and I realize that we paddled and we did what we could do and we were going toward the wind. And at some point we found the wind. And I want to tell you that God wants you to set your sails to catch the wind. Because when you catch the wind, he'll take you where you could never go on your own. It's the wind of his spirit. And it's what leads us into his greatness. It's what draws us unto him. I want you to do that this morning. It it may be that you need to rededicate yourself to the purposes of God for your life. That you begin to take control. And he said, I've got the calm. And he says, no, no, I'm, I'm sick of that. This automation in your life. I want it to be that... You give it to me. I want the control. I don't want to be your co-pilot. Some of you have just been so far away that you've forgotten how precious that salvation was and how great that deliverance was. And you've forgotten the former manner of life. You've forgotten what you were like over here and how great it was. 
when he came in and said, give that to me. And he took it upon himself on the cross. And that's what we celebrate this morning with communion. But you not do that in a manner which is unworthy is what the Bible says. Unworthy means you think that you come up here and you participate in some sort of pagan feast by, by eating some, some bread and drinking some juice. And that's what it would be if you don't have Christ in your heart. You may as well be bowing down to, to Allah or bowing down to Buddha or bowing down to, to, to you know, some other religion creator out there, some cult. So instead you say, Jesus, come into my heart. God, the only way you can get in is if you make it holy. You've got to make the path holy. So, God, I, I want to repent of my sins right now. Would you just join me with that this morning? I want to repent of my sins right now. I want to agree that even if I've, I've been so righteous and holy that then, God, I know love little and I don't love very much because I don't understand how great a salvation, great a freedom. So, God, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins this morning, every sin, even that which I didn't ask for, I didn't, I didn't deserve. And I want, I want you to, God, begin to blow the wind of God. I want it to blow in my life. I want you to begin to help me that, God, you're going to chart a new course for my life. God, I'm just setting my sail to catch your wind, your breath. That you'll take me where I could never go by myself, God, of my own ability, of my own power. God, I, I want to confess that I'm a windbag. I'm a windbag. I, ca- I talk a good game. And it stinks. To you, it stinks. And I want salvation afresh. I want to kindle afresh your Holy Spirit in my life that led me to to bow the knee to say yes to Jesus. And your kid wants to come back home, Papa. He says, come back. Come back. Come unto me. Oh, he says, put the writing tablet down. I don't want you listing those grievous things. I don't want you recounting all those morbid details. Enough. He says, enough. I know what you did. I know what you did beyond what you can remember you've done. And I forgive you. Greater am I than all the sum of your sin. That's the word of the Lord. Great is he. Hallelujah, Jesus. Above all. Above every sin. Above every failure above my thoughts, above what I see, above what I know, above what I understand. 
Let this time be a time of reflection. As you come to a point of being touched by his wholeness, his healing, salvation this morning, then join with us as we sing the song that's a declaration of what God desires to do with us, and that's communion.